Welcome to Epic, everybody. How many of you thought maybe you were at a concert? All right, how many of you were enjoying the concert? All right. How many of you thought, uh, are we allowed to sing a song like that in church? Like, uh, is that all right? I'm not so sure. Well, just relax. I asked our worship team to play that cover song by the fray to set up a tension for this series that we are starting today as a new series. So today we're starting a new series called Alexa. And in this series, what we're doing is we're exploring some of the big questions that people all over the world are asking about faith. And people are asking questions like this. If God exists, what is he really like? And if God exists, why do we exist? Is there any real purpose to our lives? In a world so full of hate, shouldn't we just tolerate each other? Like, won't that solve all those hatred problems out there? And can we trust the Bible or is it just some outdated old-fashioned book? And who really is Jesus and why does it matter anyway? So there are people all over the world asking the World Wide Web for answers to these questions. And so what we're doing in this series is we're trying to answer them from a biblical perspective. And so we're glad that you're here with us for this. And maybe these identify some of the questions that you have, or maybe you've got some questions similar to this. If these are some of yours, come back. If you know somebody else has a question similar to this, invite them to come with you as we try to tackle these big subjects. And as we begin, we're going to talk about something that was in that cover song. So I think that cover song by The Fray called You Found Me deals with a misperception about God. One of the things they were asking was, God, like I had this horrible thing happen in my life and I'm looking around wondering where you are and I can't find you. And so I'm wondering, where are you in the midst of tragedy that's happening in my life? Like, do you care? Like, are you interested in my life? And that's a a question that many people ask, but it, it deals with a misperception about God. We all have misperceptions about him, and those misperceptions cause us to interact with God in ways that are not fair to who he really is. So let me ask this question. How many of you like to be misunderstood? How many of you? There are a few that raise their hand. There are a few folks. Not many that like to be misunderstood. I hate being misunderstood. I hate when somebody thinks something about me that's just not true. It's just not right because often then they interact with me based upon that. And I'm like, it's not fair. A few years ago, I had an interaction with a guy and he totally misunderstood that interaction. And even after I tried to follow that up and kind of clean it up, he had already predecided, I don't like you based upon that interaction. And to this day, when that guy sees me, he gives me the stink eye. Like, it is just frustrating. Every time I see him, I'm like, really, man? Like, you're really going to hold on to that for this long? It wasn't right. It's a wrong perception. But he's decided, I don't like you based upon that wrong perception. And I hate that when that happens, but think about the many ways that we do that to God. We do that to God all the time. There are some people, when they have a bad interaction with a Christ follower, they assume that maybe God's behind that. And so then they get upset at God and pull themselves away from him. Uh, Other people, when they experience maybe pain or suffering, and and maybe you're like this as well, there are moments where where we think, you know what, maybe God is angry with me. Maybe God is punishing me. Maybe that's why I'm going through this difficulty right now because God is super disappointed in me and my life. There are other people that conclude 
that God must not exist because evil and suffering exist in the world. We've got all kinds of wrong perceptions about God out there, and those wrong perceptions are causing us to interact with him in ways that are just not fair and are just not right. I was reminded about these perceptions that we have, these wrong perceptions all over the world a few years ago when I was taking a flight somewhere. And when I'm typically flying, I like to read something. So I'm usually bringing a book with me. I didn't have a book with me at that moment. So I went into the bookstore and I looked for a book to to take on the flight and read. And I found this book. It's by Christopher Hitchens. And the title is God is Not Great. And he is an atheist. And he's writing from the perspective of growing up in a very strict religious system. And he concluded that God and faith and religion, they're all just man-made ideas and they are destroying our world. And the subtitle of this book is How Religion Poisons Everything. So it captured my attention. And imagine sitting next to the pastor on a flight who's reading this book. So I was that guy. And I'm reading through this book. And there are a lot of things in the book that I thought, you know what, I think I can agree with you on that. Like, I, I feel like we've created some religious systems that are painful to, to us and to other people, and they're just not right, and they're just man-made religious systems. And I think that's what Jesus came to, to set the record straight about when he talked to religious leaders, like, you guys, guys, you're getting it all wrong. You're making it about rules, you, and you don't understand. It's about a real relationship that we can have. And as I was reading this book, I thought, you know what, this guy totally misunderstands God. Like he's just not, uh, he just doesn't have a right understanding of who he really is. And again, it highlighted for me of the many ways that we misunderstand God, the many misperceptions that we have of him. So we're going to today, we're going to look at five characteristics of God that I think are critical for all of us to know. And as we look at these five things, you've got to understand that we could talk about God and who he really is for months. So today I've whittled that down to five important things that I think we need to understand about God. And if you're a note taker, today would be a great day to take notes because I'm going to go through some of these things quickly. A few other things I'll, I'll camp on a little bit more. Uh, if you are not a note taker, what I encourage you to do is look around you, see who might be a note taker by you. And then as you leave today, take their notes and instantly you become a note taker. <laughs> I'll be here all day and there'll be more jokes. If you want to laugh, it'll be good for me at least. All right. So the first thing that we need to know about God is this, and this is kind of a controversial subject, but the first thing we need to know is that God is Trinity. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about this recently, but in order to have a right understanding of God, we have to have an understanding that God is Trinity. In Matthew chapter three, we get the clearest picture in scripture. I think we get a snapshot of the Trinity relationship and it centers on Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter three, verse 13 says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. 
So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and, the spe- and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So that passage gives us a quick snapshot of how God exists in this Trinity relationship where we have God the Father speaking from heaven. We have God the Son in bodily form being baptized, modeling that for us. And then we have the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit showing up in the form of a dove and landing on Jesus. Uh, We have three distinct beings and yet all one in their Godhead, all equal in their Godhead. And yet again, they have a distinct role and function that's different. So to understand God, I think we need to have a basic understanding of him as Trinity. Now, we're going to zero in on God the Father this morning, because I think God the Father is the one who gets the, the worst press. He's the one that most people think is angry. He's the one that most people think like he, he needs a, a temper tantrum timeout because he's angry at the world and, and a kind of a cruel God or maybe a, a, an indifferent God. And so we're going to zero in on what God the Father is really like. So we start by understanding that God is Trinity. Second thing we need to understand is that God is knowable. And Acts chapter 17 records the time when the Apostle Paul made that claim in the ancient city of Athens. And here's the really cool thing about Paul. If, if you don't know Paul or his, his journey, his story, and if, if you're someone who thinks, you know what, Christians are weird, you would like Paul because Paul thought Christians were very weird. In fact, he tried to persecute them. He hated them until he met Jesus and he was transformed by Jesus. And then God used him to spread Christianity all around the world. And we benefit today from the work that God did through Paul. So in one moment, Paul's on a a trip and he's in Athens and God gives him the opportunity of a lifetime to speak to the city leaders. So he's in front of these city leaders and he has this moment to, to speak about God. And so he does in Acts chapter 17, verse 22, he says, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. Let me just pause here for just a minute and tell you about these people. So as they were worshiping all kinds of gods everywhere, they had uh, shrines and altars set up for these gods, and they didn't want to leave any god out for fear that maybe they'd be punished by that god. So they came up with the idea, let's just have an altar to the unknown god. And if he shows up and punishes us, we can say, well, at least we had an altar to you. We were trying to worship you. We didn't know who you were, but we were just trying to worship you. So Paul acknowledges that for them. And then he says, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands cannot serve his needs for he has no needs. For he himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Verse 26, from one man... He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. 
So Paul says to these religious leaders, listen, guys, the God you don't know anything about is noble. You can find him if you search for him. If you're really looking for him, you can find him. And maybe that's where some of you are at this morning. Maybe some of you, you're searching. You're searching for something. You're searching for God. You're searching for something. Maybe you don't even know what it is. And you're here like, I have no idea what I'm searching for. But this morning, God wants you to know that he wants to be found by you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And get this, God is the worst hide-and-seek player of all times because God can be found everywhere. In Psalms 139, King David said this about him. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So God can be found anywhere and everywhere. And if you're searching for God, you'll find him. Or better yet, God will find you. So our truths for this morning, God is Trinity. God is knowable. And then this is probably one of the most misunderstood things about God. Number three is God is love. And again, most people uh, think if God does exist, that he's angry, he's cruel, he's uncaring. But that's not what scripture teaches about him. 1 John 4, 7 says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. And that verse doesn't say that God has love, doesn't say that God can be loving sometimes. It says that God is the essence of love, that everything that God does comes from his incredible love for us. And then verse nine shows us the extent of his love for us. Verse nine says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have, an, have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now here's how our story as humanity goes. Here's how my story goes. Here's how your story goes. God created all of us to be in a perfect relationship with him. But we all broke that relationship. We all did something, whether big or small, to break that relationship. And even though we look at Adam and Eve and we like to give Adam and Eve a hard time about eating the forbidden fruit, the reality is all of us have eaten the forbidden fruit. Each and every one of us. Whether it's a small thing that we do or a big thing that we do, we all have done something to hurt our relationship with God and that has broken God's heart. God wants to be in a right relationship with us. He wants to be in that per perfect relationship with us. So here's what God did. He pulled out his wallet and he paid the ultimate price to get us back in a right relationship to fix what we had broken. And he did that through giving all that he had. He gave his one and only son. He allowed his son to die in our place, his innocent perfect son. He allowed his innocent, perfect son to die in our place. And we are not innocent and we are not perfect. 
And yet he allowed Jesus to die so we can have eternal life. So our relationship with God can be fixed and restored. Now, I want you to think about this, especially if you're a parent. Would you let one of your kids die for somebody who was guilty of something? Would you let your kid pay the, a death sentence penalty for something that somebody else did? I don't know any parent that could ever do that. Now, I know many of you, and I, I love many of you, and I would gladly take a bullet for you if that was what was required, but I would never put one of my kids in front of the bullet for you. No offense, nothing personal. I just love my kids more. But God did that for us. God the Father allowed God the Son to step in front of the bullet of death for us and take that so that we could have eternal life. So here's the reality this morning. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. God loves you. And he wants a real relationship with you. And that's a very different picture of God than the picture that many people around the world have. We owe it to God. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to others to have an accurate understanding of God because that's the only way that we can have a real relationship with him. So God is Trinity. God is knowable. God is love. And then this is one of my favorite things about God. God is for us. In Romans 8.31, the apostle Paul said this. He said, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Another way to translate that first word in that sentence, if, is with the word since. And so it can be read, since God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? In verse 37, he says, no, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below and nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You need to be reminded this morning that God is for you. He's not against you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at you. He's for you. It's one of the reasons that we have adopted our four Flagler tagline on all of our new serving shirts. When we wear these into our community, when we wear these here on Sunday, when people come in and they interact with us, we want them to know first and foremost that God is for them. He's not against them. And we hope that you'll help us spread that message throughout our community. So God is Trinity. God is knowable. God is love. God is for us. 
And then lastly, God is personal. One day, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus answered that by giving them the Lord's Prayer, most famous prayer known all over the world, loved by many people. And even if you've never been in church before in your life, there's a really good chance you've heard this prayer before and understand just kind of the weight of it and how people cherish it. But I want to suggest to you this morning that when Jesus offered this prayer for the first time, I don't think everybody who heard that was super excited about it. I actually think there were some of Jesus' original audience that thought that his prayer was borderline blasphemous. Because in it, Jesus suggested that we could approach God as Father. And for the original audience that was listening to Jesus, the original Jews, they would have probably been very offended at that. Uh, Their concept of God was that God was this, this being who was holy and separate, somebody who should be feared from a distance. And Jesus, what he offered was something way too personal It was way too disrespectful. You would never approach God like that. And yet Jesus said, we can. We can come to God like a father. And then the apostle Paul follows that up in Romans 8, verse 15. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children We learned in our last series, Belong, that when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are adopted into God's family. And then Paul says, and because of that, now we can call him Abba, Father. And Abba is one of the most personal, intimate words, references for God as Father. And Jesus says, you can interact with God in a very personal way. He's not the God that's so separate, so distant that he doesn't want to have a relationship with you. He doesn't care about you. You just have to worship him in that way. He says, no, you can come running to God as your father who loves you in a very personal way. Paul goes on to tell us in Romans 10 how to start a relationship with God in that context. Verse nine, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's another way of saying you will be adopted into God's family. Verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone, such a, a powerful word, anyone, who trust in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter whether you've been in church before. Doesn't matter if you haven't been in church in a long time. Doesn't matter whether you know anything about the Bible or everything about the Bible. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be adopted into God's family. So I have to ask this morning, have you done that? Have you made a decision to be adopted into God's family? See, the decision is up to us. We're the ones who get to decide whether we're adopted or not. Have you made that decision 
to be adopted by the creator of the universe, a God who loves you intimately, a God who pulled out his wallet, paid the ultimate price, everything he had to be in a relationship with you. If you've made that decision, you will get to spend eternity with God in a real place called heaven. If you haven't made that decision, God will continue to go to great lengths to start a relationship with you. Listen to what 2 Samuel verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 14 says. It says, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Life is too valuable. Life is too precious to God. So look what he does. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we've been separated from him. And I just love that verse because it tells us what God is like. If you don't have a relationship with God, he is every day devising a way to draw you into a relationship with him. If you've been uh, on a path away from him, you had a relationship and you walked away from him, he is daily devising ways to bring you back. And today is one of those opportunities. Today is one of those ways. Today is an opportunity for somebody to come to God and start a relationship with him where you can call him Abba, Father. And if you wanna do that, what I encourage you to do is just do what Paul encouraged in Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart that God paid the ultimate price for you by allowing Jesus to die so you can have eternal life, then confess that. Confess that to God. Tell God that. Run to him and tell him that, and he will embrace you. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and he will answer that. But here's the thing about God. He's a complete gentleman. He will never force himself on anyone. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, God says this, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And maybe this morning, some of you are sensing that God's at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He's a gentleman. He's not going to kick the door open. He's going to allow you to decide whether you answer the door or not. But someone this morning just might sense God's knocking and he wants a relationship with you and maybe you've never had that relationship before and this morning you can open it and answer it. You can invite him to be your Lord and Savior and you can invite him to be your Abba Father. In just a minute, uh, we're gonna listen to a closing worship video and this video is called Run to the Father. It's a great song that I've been captured by over the past actually several weeks, and God's just used it immensely in my life. And uh, I thought, just listen to it together and just create this moment where we could run to the Father, something that we need to do on a regular basis. So for some of you, maybe you sense God's knocking, and what you need to do is run to the door of your life and open it. Start a personal relationship with God as your Abba Father. Invite Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. Confess that with your mouth during this song. Just have a conversation with God. Others of you may need to run back to your Father. 
Maybe you've been on a journey away from him for far too long, and maybe you feel shame or guilt, and you feel like, I just can't come back. He's so disappointed in me. Let me remind you, he's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry. He loves you, and he's throwing his arms open and asking you to come running back to him. This morning could be that moment that you do that. So however you may need to run to God, I encourage you during this song, to do that. Let's watch this together. That needs to be a regular habit for us that we run to the Father again and again. And I hope this morning you've been able to do that in whatever uh, way that was symbolically meaningful to you. Um, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior, what I ask you to do is tell somebody about that. Let them celebrate that with you. Tell somebody you came with. If you didn't come with anybody, come tell me that. I would love to celebrate that with you. Then I encourage you to do several other things. One is we have a baptism coming up in November, just a few weeks away, surprisingly. And I encourage you to sign up for our baptism. You can do that online at theepicchurch.com. We would love to, to help you take that next step in baptism. I also encourage you to keep coming back throughout this series so you can keep learning what it means to, to have a growing relationship with the creator, creator of the universe who loves you deeply. Um, as you leave today, someone's going to hand you a, a card, and I'm going to transition just a moment in, into this topic. Someone, someone's going to hand you a card, and this card on one side says Four Flagler, on the other side, it talks about the land that we've been talking about for the past few weeks that we've signed a contract to purchase. And what I ask you to do is take this card and put it somewhere where you can use it as a reminder to pray. So let's be praying together as a church family for God to help us raise the resources that we need to get this piece of land so we can kind of have a permanent home where we drive a stake in the ground that lets our community know that God is for them. And then if you'll use this as a prayer opportunity, say, God, what part do you want me to play in helping us to acquire this land? And you just do whatever God guides you to do. Uh, this past week, we've had some amazing conversations with people who are super excited about what God is doing here as our church family and helping us to acquire that piece of property. And I truly believe when we come together, we can see God do infinitely more than we can ask or think. So, so grateful you've been here with us today. Next week, we're going to talk about this issue of tolerance so our world says the, the way to solve all of the hatred that's out there right now is if we just learn how to tolerate each other. And yet Jesus offers us another solution for that. So we'll explore that next week. I hope you'll come back for that. But let me just pray and uh, then we'll end together. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for scripture that we can rely on in learning to know you better. Lord, for so long, people have had wrong perceptions of you. Even we have had wrong perceptions of you. And so we need to have a right understanding of who you are and how you interact with us. And Lord, this morning, we've learned some things that just might be mind-blowing to some of us. We've been reminded of some things that maybe we've forgotten. That God, you are a God of love and everything you do comes from your love that we really can know you. We really can have a personal relationship with you that, that you really are for us. You're not mad at us. You're not disappointed in us. You're doing everything you can to draw us into a first time relationship with you or draw us back after a season that we've been away.
So Lord, I pray for those this morning that, that may have put their faith and trust in you for the first time. Lord, I pray that they would get serious about growing in that relationship. And Lord, I pray for those who may have found themselves coming back to you after a season away. I pray that they would just fall into your grace, knowing that you're a God of grace and love and forgiveness and mercy. And I pray that they would embrace that reality as they rebuild their relationship with you. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go into our community this week and help people around us understand what you are really like. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.